Okay, what would you like to say, Tommy? One, two, three. Go, Tommy! Grief can't be all negative and sad. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Good Days, Bad Days podcast. I'm Rachel Vani, and today it will just be me. We will be talking about conflict in the family whenever there is a loss or whenever you have some traumatic event that causes grief within the family. And this can be your immediate family, this can be your extended family, heck, it could even be friends or whoever you're close with. So I know that whenever there's some sort of big event, it can rock a family, especially a death of a loved one. A lot of legal battles against trust and estates happens, people battle over money, people fight over things that you never thought that you would fight over. And I've had this come up multiple times whenever uh, I've asked people in stories, you know, what is a conflict uh, that you've had with a family member with grief? Has more, has there been more conflict? Has there been less conflict? What is, and a lot of people have said that different grieving patterns, different grieving choices, Um, has caused a lot of conflict within their family. I wanted to do an episode about family conflict and grief. So me, myself, me, myself, and I, I've had a lot of experience with grief uh, conflict within a family. And I say this not to badmouth anyone, and I don't want that to come off as that. First husband in-laws and me did not get along at all. Uh, We didn't from the start, even before my husband got diagnosed with cancer. It was just, they just did not like me from the very, very beginning. And it was nothing that I did necessarily. Um, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that we moved. And that was a source of contention. Mainly, it was just with them. Um, But it's never a good thing whenever you don't get along with your family or your husband's family. Whenever he was diagnosed with cancer, there was a lot of blame that went around. Blame towards me, blame towards him. I get it. Whenever people are put in these very nightmarish situations, it's natural to feel all the feelings. And some of those feelings might be anger. And not to say that that was right of them, but at least I understood uh, that they were hurt and their hurt came out as anger. And so I tried to be sensitive about that, but especially towards the end, as my husband became more and more dependent on me for care, it became a big hindrance uh, on my mental health. And I'm a true believer that you need to set boundaries for yourself in order to be able to survive a horrible situation like that. So comes to my strategy for dealing with family conflict in grief. So the first step would be, if there is a disagreement, hear them out. Understand that you might not be interpreting things the way that they're intending to because you are also absorbing everything through a filter of grief. Grief is very introspective, and I think that that's a great thing on so many levels, 
but grief can also make it so that you shut yourself off to everything else that's going on. And so it's important that you take a minute to step back and be like, okay, am I viewing this in a different way than maybe they're intending? Are their intentions good? Sometimes people's intentions can be the best and it's still not healthy, but it's important to take a step back and hear them out. So if you can do that, great. The next step is to, like I said, acknowledge that that might be their grieving style. It might just be a different grieving style than you. They might just be in a completely different mental space than you at the time, and that's totally fine. So you need to understand that some people's grief might come out in ways that are hurtful to you. And that might be anger. It might be sadness. They might be self-destructive or destructive towards others. I'm not saying that that is a healthy way of coping, but that is a way that people cope. The next step is where you protect yourself from unhealthy coping mechanisms of other people, and that would be to set boundaries. You want to set boundaries with people who are grieving in a not healthy way because just because they're dealing with their grief in a way that's destructive doesn't mean that you have to. So you can acknowledge them, say, I hear you. I hear that you're hurting and I hear that you might be angry or sad or feel that I have wronged you in some way and then put a boundary with it. Say, I cannot talk to you about this at this time, but I welcome a chat with you with a intermediary or someone who's who can like a mediator, right? It doesn't have to be like an official mediator or an official therapist, but maybe if you have someone in your family that can act as that and they're totally fine doing that, maybe it's best to have them in the room whenever you're having these conversations. The boundaries that you can set for yourself, for example, I mean, there's endless boundaries that you can set, but the ones that I tend to work towards is you don't have to talk about it when you don't feel like it. Say, I don't feel like I'm comfortable talking to to you about this right now. And I need more time to think about it on what I need to say. And that's totally fine. In grief, you can always just say, can I get back to you? That's totally fine. The second way that you can set a boundary is by putting space up. So maybe you communicate that you need more time and then physically walk away. Or if you live with that person and you can't necessarily get away, like say you're um, in the same house and you can't go anywhere, you don't have a car, you can't drive or something like that, you can just go to a separate room and shut the door and lock it or do whatever you need to get physical space away from that person. And number three would be to get mental space, right? You can have mental space away from someone, turn on some music, take a bath, do something that gets you away from the situation mentally. And I know that's hard whenever you're in the thick of it and all you can think about is loss. But setting those boundaries and being able to set a physical, emotional, and a mental boundary is so healthy and so needed, especially when you're trying to process a loss in the first couple weeks, months. Also, sometimes when you're with people who are coping with grief in a destructive way, it's very draining, especially if you're uh, a person who's very empathetic and you take on people's pain. And that's when you need to do self-care. As soon as you're out of a situation where you're around your family and you just feel drained, that's when you need to say, okay, I need to take care of myself right now and get away, do something that makes you feel good 
that varies. That's so personal between each and every person. For me, it's exercise. I have to get exercise when I'm having a bad day. I'll jump on my bike um, or go outside for, I would say a run, but that doesn't happen. (laughs) Uh, I would say go out on a walk, go out in nature, something that brings you joy, even just for a couple minutes, you need to do that. And you need to, until you feel like you can recharge your battery, because you're no good to anyone if your battery is drained. Sometimes conflicts with grief can get pretty heated. Uh, They stem not only from the grief or the loss that happened, but also because there's probably been a long history between people. So I think it's important to put that into context whenever you have something that happens right after a loss or grief that's happened and it's just exacerbated a, a relationship issue that you've had with this person in your family. So just be aware that that could be contributing and it's not necessarily something that's happened just because of the grief, but it's been a long time coming. So, okay, I've gone over a couple conflict resolution strategies for dealing with someone who's in the conflict in your family, but what about healing that conflict? Like what, how do you even get to the point where you can solve this conflict? And the answer is it really depends. I think that whenever you're in the very first stages of grief, you need to focus on yourself and set up those boundaries and give yourself some time. Whenever you're in a healthier space and you're able to process the conflict in a, in a better, with a clearer head and being able to think a little bit clearly because, you know, grief causes a, a big brain fog. So once you're in that clear space, I think getting a third party involved, like a therapist, is a great idea. If you don't have access to a therapist, I think just maybe presenting the idea of talking in a very calm manner with that person and just say, I love you. We're family. I know we've had this conflict, but I'm interested in coming together and coming to a resolution. I feel like for a lot of people that puts someone in a, in a very neutral space so they're not defensive and you'd be able to to at least get them to a place where they're ready to talk. If that's still not possible and they're still in a, in a state of conflict, you have to accept that maybe that's just where their brain is at and try again later. And that is the end of episode six. I know that we've very kind of vaguely glossed over a lot of these issues because they are so personal. Uh, I wanted to save these conversations for when I have professionals on in uh, mental health and mediation and other alternative dispute resolution and conflict resolution professionals. So I wanted to save that for them. Hopefully I will have them on soon, but I did want to end this episode on a joke. So bear with me. I asked my friend what it was like to work in the cutlery industry. He told me, there's never a dull moment. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's good. (laughs) Have a good day, y'all.